welcome back to the Exchanges Discourse podcast for a new year of episodes. I am your host as always, Dr. Gareth J. Johnson, and if you've not listened to us before, what we are is a companion to the Exchanges Interdisciplinary Research Journal published for the last decade or so by Warwick's Institute of Advanced Study. A lot of our episodes, we talk with authors who have published with the journal, and that indeed is what today's episode is all about. But you'll also find we've got some episodes which talk about publishing with the journal specifically. Anyway, enough of me. Let's get talking to our guest. Well, once again, we are here with an episode of the Exchanges Discourse podcast, our first of 2024, and I am delighted to welcome back to the show a returning guest, a returning special issue collaborator too, with uh, Catherine Price. Catherine, delight to have you here today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me back. Um, it's always a pleasure to, to talk to you, so thank you very much. Oh no, it's, it's always our pleasure to have our authors on the show, I have to say. So, uh, now we are, we're going to be talking about um, a couple of papers and probably around uh, some other things as well. But of course, as I always say at the start of the podcast, I like to give the guests a chance to introduce themselves. So Catherine, tell our listeners who you are and uh, what are you up to at the moment? Okay, so I'm a research fellow in the School of Geography at the University of Nottingham. Um, I'm currently working on a couple of projects still working on which i think i spoke about in the last um, episode when it was on before still working on the biochar demonstrator project um, that's a ukri funded project um, which is looking at um, the use of biochar as a potential greenhouse gas removal technology mm. and work on the social science research of that um, that's a big interdisciplinary project so we work across um, with engineers and soil scientists across different universities as well so it's collaboration between Bangor and, and Leeds so oh, that's fantastic yeah. yes yeah so it's big 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 project um we're now in about the third year of it so still another couple of years left to go so um, and my Excellent. role on that is um to talk to various stakeholders involved with biochar so um farmers government departments environmental mm. And remind me what biochar is, Catherine, yep, so, I, I, I should know, I know. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's produced from organic material, so it can be anything from wood through to mm. straw, anything that's like hedge clippings, anything like that, mm. um, and it's produced at a high temperature in a process called pyrolysis, and basically, as it's produced in this process, it will all the carbon gets locked in so um, mm, how we're yeah. using it in our trials um, we're actually burying it on agricultural land so we've got farmers involved in the trial so we've got five trial farmers who are taking part in those trials at the moment fantastic so do, you, do you get do you get some field visits then as well literal field yeah. visits <laughs> get literal field visits as well so we get to go out I and mean, it's really quite interesting because you go try and hunt the biochar and you can't actually find it anymore because it's got oh, really? so yeah wow fantastic so yeah all the like little worms and things take it down into the soil so yeah so we do get to go out as well and have a look and speak to the farmers at the same time so brilliant brilliant so there's that and obviously other things i'm sure as well so yes so um working on another project as well um which i've just recently received funding for by a project called access which people people go and have a look on the website will find what they do um, and it's all about uh, advancing environmental social science into mm, mm. Um, scientific subjects or using it with people who don't necessarily always use social science in particular organisations. So they funded our project um, which is looking at responsible research and innovation um, mm. and that's like a broad term on its own but very much science and technology studies focused 
and we're, try we're trying to bring in the more than human world into a responsible research innovation framework. So I'm working with Tom Bott on that, who's actually one of the um, soil scientists on the biochar demonstrator. Mm, so mm. actually working on that together. So yeah, that's just recently started. So we're getting involved in that now. So that's yeah, two projects that we've got going at the moment. And it's good to hear that that more than human stuff coming up there again, because that was the theme of our special issue that we worked on together, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, it was, yeah. So yeah, so there's very much, I think, it's the more than human is very much starting to come to the fore a bit now. I mean, it was mm. only just in the new, I think it was in the Guardian, like the last couple of weeks, mm. um, where there was a question posed, you know, is nature and the environment being brought into the political mainstream? So I think there's an mm. idea now that, you know, there is something there to, to actually consider further than like anthropocentric thinking. Excellent. Well, like, like I say, I mean, certainly producing that issue and reading the articles, and it opened my eyes quite a bit to an area. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm someone who spends a lot of time in nature in myself, as it yeah. is, but it was really interesting to have this sort of, you know, different perspectives that we were having on it from, as you say, the anthropocentric uh, version. So now we are going to talk about um, a couple of pieces um, you wrote for exchanges in, in the aforementioned special issue, links to the issue, links to these um, articles, of course, in the uh, episode description below. Um, one of them, of course, I'm quite excited about. Um, maybe we'll talk about that one first. The um, the the conversation you published with uh, Sophie Chow, because that's one of our top papers of 2023. It was one of the most downloaded papers of the year. So, do you want to tell tell our listeners a little bit about what that conversation was about? Yeah. So, first of all, I'd just like to say thank you to everybody that's read it and to make mm -hmm. it actually into the top eight. So, thank you everybody for mm -hmm. who's read it. Um, so, yeah. So that was more of a piece that was looking at perhaps the terminology and the terms that we use. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so we use the term very much social science orientated term, perhaps more than human, um, but we also there's terms out there of other than human and non-human. I think it was just trying to unpick how we talk about the more than human and what mm, one mm. These terms, what we're actually perhaps silencing or hiding by, uh, you know, and I think the, the argument as much as anything was to try and get behind how we use those terms and in what way and who, or like when we use the term non-human, are we favouring certain humans over other humans? And that was the point I think we were very much trying to get to with that. It was trying to untangle um, mm -hmm. the pick where we actually go with this terminology um, and how to think about it perhaps in a bit of a different way. And I think where we got to as well, we're like, and a bit like what I'm doing with Tom with the project here is to turn to interdisciplinary work as well sometimes you know, to move beyond just in our silos. Um, and that was, I think, you know, thinking about assemblages and entanglements, I think mm -hmm. you can very much do that if you're in an interdisciplinary setting. Say like my work with Tom, for example, mm -hmm. you can very much talk about the soil science, which I can't do. But if you're trying to talk about an assemblage, you need to think of the science as much as you do the social science. So I think with mine and Sophie's conversation piece there, it was very much trying to get to this what do we mean by the more than human and are there mm, better mm. terms of, that we can use or uh, perhaps what we also said in there is perhaps better isn't always the best word to yeah <laughs> you know oh, so, yeah Sem semantics is everything isn't it yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 so i'm gonna say as an editor i, I agonize all the time and i write a word and I go, ah, that's not the word i mean but it, 
at this point it's got to go in because it's the yeah. best word the best okay, yeah. word i have to, to, to fill in for the time being until something hits me that actually is clearer more descriptive more accurate more precise yeah. perhaps you know yeah, yeah. And it's good as well because i mean obviously um safety's had that article republished in in spanish um yes. in tecpora which is great. I think it's the first article we've had translated into another language and, and republished for exchanges. So I was really pleased for that, which means you know, it might be in our top 10. But I suspect obviously the number of people reading is even higher once we conclude yes. the Spanish language. I don't have access to their stats, though. So. <laughs> yeah. so, yeah, it was really nice to see that go elsewhere. I mean, there was, there's been lots of you know nice comments that we've received mm. on feedback mm. from it and about it. And I think the Sophie had people contacting her asking mm. could it be translated into Spanish especially for like PhD students yeah you know who you know where English isn't their first language mm. Mm. but it was something that was very much important to them so yeah it was nice to see that actually translated into another language you know and you know hopefully spread the message further yeah, I, mean, I, I, I was just looking at the actual statistics for the paper itself, and it's you know it's had a continued level of access over the last the last year. It's one of the reasons why it, it's up there. I mean, also, it was a big surge of interest when we published it, but it's continued to have a really healthy number of downloads and readers. So it's clearly got a longer term resonance. Yeah. Um, I would not be surprised to see this in our top papers next year as well. I have to say, uh, you know, uh, who, who knows? We've got a lot of papers coming in this year. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so. Um, Catherine and I were talking just before this about our, our forthcoming special issues when we have quite a number of papers coming in uh, aiming to be published in 2024 <laughs> but, but who knows who, yeah. know, who, who knows what, what will be up there but I, I, I know when I look at stats um, on the journal site I know what a healthy level of access in this paper absolutely has really healthy stuff brilliant and I love it I love a conversation piece I really do I know it's my biases as a cultural specialist and an ethnographer I'm always interested in the discourse <laughs> literal yeah. discourse between people because I just think it's so clear yeah I just think it's a way for people to get into a subject in a way that a, a formally written paper is a little more challenging if you're not familiar with the field and let's face it this is a field where there's lots of people who are crossing disciplinary boundaries yeah. with an interest so yeah, I was to try and make it as accessible to people mm. as well, you know, and I think that with actually doing that conversation piece, I hope it has made it accessible. I think that's, you know, those terms can be quite challenging to get your head around when you're first, you know, using, you know, reading that type of literature for the first time. Mm. So I made it in a way that, you know, people can come to it and uh, use it almost perhaps as a starting point as mm. much as anything. Mm on from from there i mean i know some of the, the people that we've cited in that in that paper you know go to the reference list if you do want to read further there's some fantastic scholars you know that we've cited in there uh, yeah go there and and start building from our piece and, and look into their work as well because there's some fantastic people there so there you go folks a strong recommendation to read that paper if you're not one of the hundreds who hasn't already read it <laughs> of course go and read it again read it a second time you know that we, 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 we Catherine will always appreciate that oh well thank you <laughs> so let's, let's let's talk of course about your other paper and the issue as well um because I mean this this was a, a topic I mean I, I I loved it because you know it was entitled do we need artificial pollination if we have multi-species justice in the Anthropocene it brought together so many interesting areas I thought I thought if the artificial pollinators which I'm, I'm, I am aware about the debate in that that area but this whole idea of multi-species justice wow real eye-opener again 
tell our listeners you know a little bit about the paper Catherine yeah so um it was based a bit on one of my other research interests which is around like post-digital um technologies um and uh, there's this theory of bringing forward like artificial pollination to pollinate plants and um, well mainly our food crops if the wild population of bees um collapses and there's all sorts of thinking around here well you know yes we can bring technological fixes in but do we really want to do that when you could actually properly you know address the underlying it's, causes it's it was fascinating there was the um, one of our own uh, Premier, oh, I forget the exact name of that, but it's one of the, one of the seminars we, when we bring in sort of high-flying academics to come and talk to us. And we had a, a professor in talking about errors environmentalism, and I, there was a real resonance here. And we had someone in the audience just saying, "Ah, oh, yes, but environmental problems, science will fix them." Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, that's such a deterministic way of thinking." It's yeah. like, "Yes, but there's other approaches." <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's what this paper was trying to to guess at, mm. and it was using a lens of like multi-species justice, mm. um, which again resonates a lot with what I was talking about with the conversation piece with Sophie. Um, and using multi-species justice puts everybody on a equal plane, so you have humans mm. just as important, you know, as you know, I should have said the other way around. The more than human, just as important mm. humans, mm. you know. Yeah. And you know, again, back to the point of which humans are you know favoured. All humans are put in the same position as are the modern human. So you know, I can explain there a bit more. You, you know, you put your bees, mm, do, yeah. plants, everything up on that same playing field, um, and it's using that lens to talk about. You know, if you think in those terms, then yes, you need to underline. You know, address the underlying causes. So you need to look to like pesticide use for example mm, you know, mm. there's the use of neonicotinoids has been linked to the crashing in mm. numbers so you you know you try and change farming practices yes that's you know that's a whole different and another argument in itself but you could certainly look to certain practices such as agroecology and it was trying to bring in that argument you know and how you could address you know that type of problem with pollination with changing in practices rather than just turning to to these artificial pollination mm. techniques which i did explain in the paper mm. I, I remember when i was reading it because it resonated with me with the the black mirror episode um hated in the nation with the yeah. artificial bees in that so i was going to think that immediately was my thought of oh yes well this is something <laughs> i've certainly come across in science fiction let alone obviously yeah. in the the real world debates <laughs> yeah. so i think yeah so those you know those technologies are being developed they are out there and they are being being trialed so they say again folks are two really interesting papers on two um two you know related related topics i mean i i like i say i thought they were both exciting pieces i mean i love the whole special issue as it was but that's my, there's always a bias with that when you've been involved with it for so long <laughs> i mean did, did you get yourself um Catherine, much sort of feedback on the special issue for many people because I've, I've had a lot of sort of laudatory comments from folks i've spoken to about it yeah so we did um i mean i've had a lot of of really good feedback about it and i think you know the papers themselves they covered you know a really broad range of disciplines and i think that's what was so good about that special issue was that it wasn't just you know one specific discipline mm, I, mean, mm. I think it was we did have um, a scientist in there who like that was the one about the coral reefs um 
know. Oh yes, Ju- Justin, I had, I had a very nice podcast chat with him, and that was again really interesting to hear. Some very divergent views on coral reef uh, that I, I'd, not, I'd not really heard before, come across before. Um, and yeah, lovely, lovely chat. Really interesting work. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it was you know we got coral reefs through to you know English literature. Mm. Like, you mm. know, it's whole range of of different subjects there, and you know, and even like through to art as well and how you could bring more than human into to art you know it was it was just such a great span um mm. and span's work and i think you know that's think that's why people liked it as well it just brought out you know where you can actually look to for like more than human and the anthropocene and it, it was just so diverse and in areas that i wasn't actually expecting when, mm. when the call for mm. bait, you know it was people came in and and submitted their you know their um submissions and it was like Wow, <laughs> you know, didn't expect that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, for us um, here at Exchanges, I thought it was, you know, it was particularly great because, you know, I like, I like the special issues. They have, you know, their, their particular themes. But this one, more than probably any other, since the nerd culture one, really was that interdisciplinary approach, was that sort of wide smorgasbord of different disciplinary areas, different perspectives, bringing them together, but into this kind of, as you say, unifying lens of the, uh, the modern human post-anthropocene. So it's... No, it was good. It was a good issue. Really enjoyed the papers. Yeah. Really enjoyed. I'm I'm so pleased to hear you've been having such positive comments yeah. as well. So. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, you know, I think it was it was really good feedback, and it's been really well received. But there you go, folks. Special issues with exchanges are a good thing, uh, which is just as well because they're in the number we're doing this year. Uh, <laughs> look out for another podcast on that topic shortly, I expect. <laughs> Catherine, what what's next for you then? What's what's coming up over the next year or two for you um, in your sort of in your publication world, research world? Is it the the projects we talked about, or is there other some exciting things on the bubble? Yeah, so I think probably a lot coming out from both the projects I've been talking about. Um, very shortly, we've got a workshop running to develop this conceptual framework um, with a more than human and RRI. So there'll be papers coming out from that. We've got one writing at the moment um so that's coming out we've got various ones coming out from the biochar demonstrator project so mm-hmm. yeah there's there's lots of various publications coming out so if people are interested watch out for them um i've got one working on at the moment that's um a co-authored piece that's um looking at post-digital citizen science and how that can possibly help or hinder the more than human world so that's in the Ooh. co-authored piece so that's that's really interesting it's a slightly different dimension there so. yeah yes yeah so that one's that one's in the process of being written at the moment so hopefully might be out later this year so yeah so there's various (laughs) various bits and pieces going on excellent well it's good to hear catherine you're keeping busy i think that's really important So I suppose I should always always ask my closing question as well. I mean, we, I mean, we talked about this last time when you were on the podcast about advice for for um, sort of new authors, and obviously when we did the Anthropocene issue, we ran those workshops to help new authors along as well. And, you know, has there been any any other reflections you've had in terms of advice you'd like to offer people, you know, approaching their early articles in their career? Yeah, I think like starting off is don't be afraid to perhaps try new things. Approach editors as well. Mm. Um, people like yourselves I mean I've done that obviously with yourself with a special issue and um, I've also done it as well with um, another publication that I did um, and that was fairly early on in my career and actually in like a big journal and I would say don't be afraid to approach editors and talk your ideas through. you know from my experience editors are always really helpful and will offer feedback 
and point you in the right direction of actually that's a really good idea although that's not you know Us. yes <laughs> yeah. you know so that's that is what i would say as a starting point is is you know think about what you want to write and perhaps just approach somebody with your idea before you you know steam ahead with it um but don't be afraid to try you know new ideas out there mm. um if you're going for some of the larger journals yes you might be rejected or whatever but you know you'll always have me really, you know my experience with peer review is that those comments are there to help you mm. Mm. you know you can build on that you know if it is rejected submit it somewhere else don't give up on it you know don't give up on any of your ideas you know you can always use them somewhere else yeah i mean it's, it's one of the things like when i write back to our authors and we do you know, we decline their papers i'm always trying to frame it in the look you know today it's not quite the right paper or it's not quite the right direction or it's developing as well but here's what you could do don't don't have to take my advice you know it's your paper at the end of the day it's your writing you could ignore me completely and that's great um you know i, I want them to go away and feel this wasn't a fruitless exercise having submitted it to our journal that at least there was even if it's getting a desk reject which does happen even if it doesn't get extensive peer review there's still something we can say about it about look these are the advice as a fellow scholar i would give to you about moving your idea forward i have never seen a paper submitted to exchanges that i didn't think had something interesting to say i can yeah. honestly say that though you know there's every paper has got something interesting to say and you as an, our listeners as a scholar you will have something interesting to say but you've got to expose yourself to that feedback <laughs> you've got to take that risk i think as well don't always take you know some peer review you know you look at it sometimes and it's hard but just don't take it personally about yourself mm. is what mm. i'd also say you know it's just about that piece of work in front of you and it's easy to you know it's easy especially when it's your first paper and whatever to think it's about you personally and, and don't do that you yeah. know, it isn't at the end of the day you know and i think as well just saying that though i think as us you know you will be as you move along you will be invited to do peer review mm. and i think as peer reviewers we should be mindful that at the end of the day there's somebody on the receiving end of our comments you know mm. just be mindful that when you're giving feedback like once you start doing peer review when you give feedback just remember there is somebody there and be constructive rather than you know if you're going to say yes there's something wrong with this paper at least give that person you know pointers of how they can improve it mm. you know mm. and that's what i would say as well is you know be mindful of, of what you, you know you're saying Oh, I mean, the, the affect you you can have on, on people at the end is just, yes, I mean, it's, it's one of the reasons we do editor mediated feedback on exchanges, because we've had a couple of incidents in the past, thankfully, before I was on board, where we had authors really upset by what a peer reviewer said, not just, oh, that's bad, they're genuinely upset and crushed in a way that you think that's going to derail their career, derail their ability to be a productive academic, which they can clearly be. So yes, I mean, absolutely, if you're a reviewer and you listen to this, you know, do remember that person at the other end of the keyboard when you're writing your comments. Yeah. I mean, I, I find when, I, when I, I review papers myself or other journals, I'm always, I take the compliment sandwich approach. So at least there's something positive to say at the start, something positive to say at the end, even if the bulk of my feedback is going to be a critique of, but this yeah. just doesn't work. This just really needs to be rewritten quite extensively. There's some positivity in it for them. And I want them to go away with feeling this is a discourse, this is a dialogue, this is iterative, this is a process, this isn't your work is rubbish and so are you. No, that's not true. So. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the one tip I had as well from somebody once, mm. was if you get any negative feedback, 
and you don't like rereading the comments over and over again is mm. to write those comments in your own words and then you don't have to read the negative comments you just write your own comments you know and that was what the tip that's I a great idea yeah take extract it put in your own words the bits you're actually going to address and then never look at the actual feedback yeah. that's a really good way to quantize it in a way that takes away that emotional sting and, yeah. you know these are part of the coping mechanisms we can develop as academics yeah. so Brilliant, Catherine. Well, that's wonderful advice. It's been fantastic talking to you again about your papers and your work. And it sounds like, you know, you're not going to have a, a quiet day for the next couple of years. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on anyway. It's been brilliant talking to you. And likewise as well. Thanks very much, Catherine. Thank you. And obviously, my thanks to my guests for coming in to talk with us. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. You have, of course, been listening to the latest episode of the Exchanges Discourse podcast. If you wanted to find out more about the journal or the publications we've been discussing, you will find links in the episode description. You can easily find us online too by searching for Exchanges Journal Warwick. Obviously, if you've got a question and want to get in touch with us directly, you can reach myself via email as exchangesjournal, or one word, at warwick.ac.uk. And you can find us on most social media as Exchanges IAS or Exchanges Journal. Thank you for listening and please don't forget to like, share and subscribe to make sure you catch every episode of the Exchanges Discourse podcast. <laughs>